0: Hey guys, I'm recording this here on April 5th. It's Sunday. Everyone's trying to survive the crisis. Quick note to you guys. We are moving, you know, you used to delay these episodes by, you know, four to eight months after we recorded them in terms of releasing them on the podcast. We've changed that. A lot of these interviews you're going to hear over the next many months are going to be ones we recorded only days prior. We think that's a smarter way to run the show. I've made the change. So expect more urgent information coming out. Secondly, I am getting destroyed on iTunes reviews by these people that say, Nathan's rude, he's hard hitting, blah, 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 which by the way, I am. It's part of my style, it's what works. The problem is people that love that style never take the time to go leave a five-star review. So I only get one or five-star reviews on iTunes, and right now there's a streak of one-star reviews that is driving me crazy. It would mean the world to me, guys. If you're loving the show, you love how direct I am, you like the style, if you go leave a review on iTunes now, if you do that and tweet it to me, text it to me, email it to me, whatever you want, I'm going to reply with a very special surprise I think a lot of you guys will really like. It is heavy, heavy data oriented. All right. So I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Built his company and co released really support freelancers back in 2015 was a SaaS model, call it 12 bucks a month, did what he calls content stunts, something that was newsworthy, product hunt worthy. Once every six weeks, <coughs> excuse me, use that to drive 60,000 users, convert about 7% seven of those to paid to call it 4,200 there. Obviously you can back into a run rate. They raised 5 million bucks team of 10 across remote locations and sold to fiber back in early 2018 when their, the product was then made free. Now obviously scaling up upwards of 250,000 uh, folks on the platform using it. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Life Abraham. He's the co-founder, CEO of a company called AndCo, the number one freelancing software uh, tool in the world, which was acquired by Fiverr back in 2018. He's also a partner at Prehype, a venture development firm in New York, and an investor in companies like RoHealth. He's also co-founded Pay With a Tweet, which was acquired by the German company Builder Hands Ventures back in 2013. Served as director of product for West Studios in San Fran, where he worked with startups like Ardio and Venmo. He's also worked as creative director at RGA. Life was named one of the top minds in digital by Adweek and earned numerous awards, Including two canes, uh uh Lion Grand Prix and MTV O Music Awards. He's also an advisor to a venture capital firm Urban.us and a number of early stage companies' life. You ready to take us to the top? Of course. I man. So you have obviously quite a background here. So just to be clear, today are you inside of Fiverr working on an earnout or are you doing your own thing again?
1: No, no, still in Fiverr, still running ENCO, and we're still an independent unit within Fiverr as well, right? So after the acquisition, the entire team came over and uh, was still running Enco basically the way we did before, but with the you know support and you know infrastructure from Fiverr as well.
0: Cool. Well, okay. So, so by the way, I, I paid about three invoices this morning from freelancers that I work with and used. And they they send their invoices via Enco. So uh, nice. you, know, you you have a you have a guy that understands the product and uses the product. So so walk me through. Is this what the product always looked like, or was it different pre fiverr um,
1: I mean, we've definitely done a ton of redesign since we joined Fiverr, but in general, that's like the way you've seen the product now kind of has been also before we got acquired by Fiverr. So the way we look at the product really is that um, is the category of freelancing software, the way we define it, right? So if you're a freelancer, you kind of have a very specific workflow of how you work, Right. And that often is, you know, based off projects. And if you work based off a project, you, for example, do a proposal first and a freelance contract that kind of then dives into your task management and client management, which then dives into your invoices and payments and so on. And so that is basically, that structure is something that we had built out over the span of like two years. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, and then basically got acquired by Fiverr, like uh, in year three, or like roughly within year three.
0: And so what was the revenue model, right? Was it a pure play SaaS company or a transaction fee or what? Yep. So in the past, it was a pure just SaaS subscription uh,
1: uh, software that we had there. And since we joined Fiverr, we made the product entirely free.
0: Yeah. Now, now it's easy to do that if you had trouble scaling revenue, right? You're just shutting down a stream that wasn't working anyway. It's different if you were doing 20 million bucks in ARR and you shut it off. So help me understand what you actually shut off.
1: Uh, so obviously, I can't share any specific numbers on that. But, um, uh, but in general, obviously, like we were in the market for like a year, year and a half with the product from there. Um, and then, like as we joined Fiverr and made the product free, it was less about, hey, we're shutting off this like revenue stream, and more about a strategic play for Fiverr, right? So, and if you look at the market right now, it's very much about land grab, and so also by making the product free, it was it's also just a strategic decision for us to be able to just grab more from the market, right? Also focus more on the product and you know kind of like make the product even more awesome than it you know was before. And um, uh, and then I have that focus point, right? And I think that was like the the, the main decision there. And the other driver is really is that if you look at the freelance market in general, is it like ninety four percent of freelance work still happens outside of online marketplaces? And so the Fiverr and the Upwork and so are, are really competing within these existing six percent right now. And obviously that's growing rapidly. But what Enco is serving is basically all the work that you're doing outside of these online marketplaces. And that's obviously the interesting thing because we are like the first. A piece of software that these freelancers use to basically take all that work that they basically have done like offline and through email and so on and moving it into an online system, which is then also the first system where then you know transactions might happen online, where you have, you know, your client interaction happen online, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of like a first step to basically move that business into an online ecosystem. So, so before pre, you ever touch
0: a market. Pre-let's go back to pre fiverr story for a second again. So on average, what were freelancers paying you per month to access this suite of tools you'd built for them? Depending on when you sign
1: up and what kind of plan you had, it was between 9 and 25 bucks a month.
0: Okay, so very much in kind of like small kind of SMB. Obviously, there's no big enterprise deals here, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and then timeline-wise, you said you launched in 2015
1: or 2016? Um, we launched more in 2016 um, but we launched a company in 2015 but like product-wise we were in market more within 16.
0: Okay and where was your head when you launched in 2015? I mean were you just leaving San Francisco at this point or like why jump into the tool in the first place?
1: Yeah so I joined this um, venture firm called Prehype in New York and I um, the way the partnership model there is also that every partner is technically an entity. So um, you basically get parts of everything you're involved in, and therefore technically, I turn freelance just from like a legal structure perspective. And so what happened that to me was that hey, when you turn freelance tomorrow, like where do you go? Right? There's not like a place where I go and sign up and be freelance. It didn't really exist. And so how freelancers were, were running their business was basically this like patchwork workflows. Right? I have my mm-hmm. Dropbox over here, my spreadsheet over there. I use like. My small business accounting software, like a FreshBooks or a QuickBooks or something, and that's kind of how they created their workflow a little bit, um, you know, and like kind of using like Zapier to stitch everything together in a way, and um, and that's kind of where like the what what was kind of like this 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 like epiphany moment of, you know, why is there not this place where I can just sign up and be freelance and also just a tool that's specifically designed for the workflow of freelancers. Um, and it's really just kind of like starting with like solving the issue for, for myself, or ourselves. Like I did it together with my co-founder Martin who had like the same issue. At the How time. many
0: people were on the team when you, when you sold? Uh, we were around 10 on the team. Okay. And all remote or all in New York? Um, it's like a close to 50, 50. Okay. Remote and then split between where? Um, between New
1: York, um, and then Argentina, uh, Portugal, Australia. Okay.
0: Remote. <laughs> it's yeah, <a> remote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. And, 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 just, and you guys had raised, I believe what 2 million from thrive in 2016.
1: Yeah. We raised close to 5 million dollars altogether. Oh,
0: you raised, okay. Five, all equity or was our venture debt or is something else built in? It
1: was all, all equity.
0: Wealth. Um, interesting. And, and was all, all the raise was, uh, the last raise was the last raise, the 2 million from thrive in 2016 or there, or there was a 3 million after that.
1: Uh, the last raise was from existing investors, so there was Thrive and, uh, and the other existing investors, yeah, I was, I guess, well.
0: sorry, the actual year that you raised last round, was that 2016 or was it later? 2017? Uh, that was, that was in 17. Okay. Top drive. Many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly? And why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45 day money back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well. And 24 seven support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with a hundred dollars in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, but you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Look, there's a lot of founders that are maybe a year, two years in their company. They raise some capital. They have a growth channel, but maybe for whatever reason, they want to be part of something bigger. Um, how did you communicate the acquisition to your team?
1: Um, obviously, I think that's a in general, that that's entire process is obviously exhausting. Number one, that's the first one. But I think the other thing, I know that you want to sell, right? And the reasons for you as a founder will always be different than the reasons for investors, for example, and there might be difference for even, you know, um,
0: um, like how employees think about it. Did all employees so have, us, some, have some kind of equity? Do they all have options or no? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah.
1: And so for us, it was really the sense of uh, like, we basically really communicated to the team that it's happening when it was really clear that it's happening. They obviously knew that we had talks and whatnot because it's a, you know it was a small team at the time and specifically the ones who were in New York were definitely aware that we had these talks, right? And we had to flow to we had to fly to Tel Aviv for a five hour base and whatnot. And so people were aware, but I think it's also very important for you as a founder to make sure to not, you know, make people immediately start thinking of, okay, you know, what would it be if this accident would happen? You know, what does it mean for me, et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly these questions pop up, these distractions pop up, et cetera. And you don't really want to push on your team yet, because obviously, that process takes multiple months there, you know, a lot can still go wrong, even in the last days of negotiation, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I think it's also important to like, keep your team, you know, focused on the work and focused on, uh, uh, you know, their job, basically, and not to have them be distracted by the potential outcome that might come. Sure.
0: And life, walk me through kind of the acquisition channels you use. So between 2015 up to 2018, I mean, how are you gaining freelance customers? What were some growth hacks maybe you, you doubled down on?
1: Yeah, so uh, very heavily word of mouth, which is, was driven by content. But when we say content, not just like blog posts and whatnot and SEO, but really what we did was we always try to launch something we call um, uh, like a content stunt within every, basically like every six weeks. And that basically means something that is talk worthy enough for us to either get some PR, to have some you know viral effect value and something that we- Give me an
0: example of one of those.
1: Potentially post to like a product hunt and so on. And so we did, for example- We did a study called Slash Workers, which was basically a study on, uh, um, you know, people having basically multiple professions and so on. We did a study on um, remote working called Anywhere Workers, which we've done together with Remote Year. And so also tapping a partner into that, you know, kind of amplifies the audience you have, you know, once you launch these these things. We've done things like... um, uh, like a legal service like so to say legal service called uh, called Williams and Herrigs which basically helps you send demand letters to clients that haven't paid you um and it was actually like an extension that was built into the product of Enco and it's even exists still today and you know we even charge for these letters being sent so like how, how uh, that, successful
0: were these kind of content stunts in other words what were you able to scale kind of total user base to before obviously the acquisition
1: yep so before the acquisition we got to close to 60,000 users and then one since six the act-
0: or six zero Six, zero, six, Six zero. zero.
1: And then since the acquisition, we've grown that by about 600%. And so um, we're now close to 250,000 users.
0: That's great. And just to be Um, clear, can people use you for free or were all those 6,000 paying you? Um,
1: So in the past, though, there was always also a free plan. So there were also free users attached to that. So it was a mix of free users and paying users.
0: I see. So only, I don't want to talk about current Fiverr because I'm sure you can't talk about some of the private kind of company stuff, but pre-Fiverr, the 6,000 people you signed up with these content stunts, how effective were you in converting those 6,000 into actual paid customers? How how many pages did you have from those?
1: Yeah. In the past, we had, uh, like, so back in the day, we had uh, conversion rates of 6-7% from, from uh, free to paid.
0: Interesting. Okay, so can I mean, can I take 6,000 times, like, you know, obviously 7% and kind of back into that would be about 420 customers?
1: Uh, it was 60,000, by the way, six zero. 0
0: so. Yeah, six, 60. Oh, sorry, not 6,000. You're right. Sorry, yeah, 4,200 yeah, yeah. 4, customers. So... You can take some numbers out of that. <laughs> okay. Well, well the, the reason I'm asking is because so I want to actually understand how you did that, right? So you you know where you put the paywall in any of these kind of freemium kind of tools is really critical. 7% 100%. conversion rate, I'd say is pretty darn effective. 60,000 to 4,200 paid at 12 bucks a month. Where did you put the paywall and how did you experiment with it?
1: I think in general, it's not just about where you put the paywall, but what value do you add for, for paid users, right? And so um, and in terms of value add, at the time back when we were paid, there were things like, um, you know, lower payment fees if you accept online payments, the ability to kind of like white label the product more to bring your own branding in more and not having like, you know, out calls of, of ENCO within the, uh, within the experience, things like that. And I think obviously, and I th- honestly think that these are most often better conversion drivers than, uh, than, for example, limits. Like limits are good to bring someone to, like to force someone to the moment of having to make a decision. But I think what will really bring people over the hump is the value that you provide on the other side. And so I think for me, it's always, it has to be a combination of the two. If you only do value, right, then-
0: what Like Be specific though, what was life. yours? Was it number of invoices sent once you hit a limit, then you have to pay, like what was your actual value metric?
1: Um, so back in the day, we had a limit on invoices, correct? Okay. Um, and, then, um, and then I think there were also some limits around expense tracking and so on, but they were like pretty high.
0: Yeah, very interesting. And then look, I mean, Back to my point earlier, it's easy to make a tool free if it doesn't have significant revenue, right? Forty two hundred customers at a twelve dollar month price point is about fifty grand a month, right? So it makes total sense. I mean, there it's not like there was a massive opportunity cost. Fiverr cutting off that revenue, it's worth way more to use you guys more as a onboarding engine to key fiber than it is to try and make twelve bucks a month per user, correct?
1: And I think that's that's definitely a good point in terms of that. Um, did you push so like back though? The,
0: I mean, did your team push back and go, "Wait, they're killing our revenue. We spent so much energy getting four thousand customers." Hey, if you like, if you build a product, I think one big thing out of this is
1: that you want to reach scale, right? And I think scale is something that, from a selfish perspective, as in, like as a like as an entrepreneur, is that you want to see, you know, basically in theory, millions of people use your product. Right? like that is, I think, something that really makes you excited, right? And obviously, you want to build a business, and obviously, you want to grow that and whatnot. And you know, charging can be a growth driver just from the perspective of being able to reinvest it and so on. But obviously, like one big thing is you want to like you want to reach certain scale, and you want to like reach a certain relevancy for people, right? So. And I think that is that is I think something that specifically I think also for the team you know was very exciting in terms of joining Fiverr. And, like, and then also, and so and then, and then also like one big thing of terms of how we like of how we grew. So one were these these like content stunts that we've done, and the other thing we really like distribution partnerships. And so one big thing of also why we started talking to Fiverr was from a perspective of distribution partnerships. And so back in the day, for example, we did something with um, Envato. Um, it's like India, one of the uh, like uh, biggest like creative asset marketplaces, right? like buy fonts and things like that. And so they have this uh, subscription offering called Envato Elements. And so if you subscribe to Envato Elements, you are getting um, an ENCO membership for free with it, right? But um, basically in the background, there was a deal of how we would still make revenue on that, you know, through Envato, and they were kind of subsidizing it and so. on. Interesting. And so and so those types of deals were like very effective for us in terms of user acquisition. Right. right, and um, and that was a reason of also why we also realized from hey, when you try to, uh, um, like when you try to acquire freelancers, right, you kind of really want to bulk acquire as much as possible. You want to go into places where you can basically just like you know grab multiple people at once, and don't try to pick people up one by one through Facebook ads or Sure, something. no, it right? makes That's sense. It's a very ineffective way to do that, and so. Yeah, so, so that makes a
0: ton of sense. So, if we're running short on time here, last question here, though, because I think this is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, but very few people will talk about it. I'm going to see if you'll talk about it. Um, You you raised five million bucks of capital, right? You're doing, call it six hundred grand in terms of run rate, right? Assuming a conservative one x liquidation preference, in order for common holders, which would include early, you know, your nine or, or whatever, eight early employees, to see anything after the waterfall, you've got to sell for at least you know, 10X-ish, more than 6 million bucks, how did you make, you know, did you, yes or no, and then if yes, how did you make sure that common shareholder saw something from the waterfall on the exit? So
1: first, I cannot share any of those details, but (laughs) respect for your quick breakdown. Um, So in general, obviously, hey, uh, yes, you gotta sell. You know, for a price that works for everyone. Otherwise, it doesn't work out, right? Well, actually, you don't um, have to. That is a big piece. You
0: don't so actually you don't. don't have to, like, you, you actually don't have to, right? You you actually yeah, could I mean, say just, we, don't need, we don't need we don't need common. We don't yeah, need like, to get a, Like, we're gonna do a deal with Fiverr because they're our biggest distribution channel. They're gonna make it free. You know, re, we've raised five million. We're not gonna sell for a ten x and fifty million. You know, it's hard to get customers at twelve bucks a month to get scale. You could actually say we're gonna sell the company. You guys will have full time jobs with Fiverr, but your equity is basically worthless. They're There's nothing preventing you from doing that.
1: In theory, of course. Of course, of course, of course. But again, I cannot share anything on the details and how the deal was and so on, but...
0: Yeah, look, oh, yeah. I I'm making I'm obviously because you're not going to share here making assumptions that there was no waterfall happening, right? And 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 so like I wish people would talk about this more because it's very yeah. difficult decisions and everyone, you know, always does what what you do which is unfortunate because I think actually if people talked about it, you could come up with solutions where actually there is some return for common holders that are early employees who maybe took lower salaries because they were offered equity early on. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, how, how many of how many of the 10 are still with Fiber? Um uh, nine. Okay, so you so only one has left. Yep. Okay, good. So either they you know they like the new salaries, they're excited about the product, <laughs> they're excited about the growth, right? That, that, all, that all makes good sense. Very good. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um,
1: I would say uh, Belsky's The Messy Middle.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Um, I really enjoy uh, Des Trainer from Intercom.
0: Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Um, I really love Asana. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, six, seven. Okay, and what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married with kids. Oh, how many kids? One. one. Okay, and how old are you? Turned five yesterday. Hey, you cut out. Sorry, how old are you? Uh, I'm 33. My kid turned five yesterday. Okay, okay. so life, you're 33, last question, what do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? What was that, sorry? What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Well, my 20-year-old self knew. Sorry, I don't get what, that. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Uh, um, everything is going to be fine. <laughs> Guys, everything is going to be fine. Again, built his company and co released really support freelancers back in 2015. Was a SaaS model, call it 12 bucks a month. Did what he calls content stunts, something that was newsworthy, product-hunt worthy once every six weeks, <coughs> excuse me, use that to drive 60,000 users, convert about 7% of those to paid, to so call it 4,200 there. Obviously, you can back into a run rate. They raised 5 million bucks, team of 10 across remote locations, and sold to Fiverr back in early 2018 when their the product was then made free. Now, obviously, scaling up upwards of 250,000 uh, folks on the platform using it. Life, thanks so much for taking us to the top. Of course. Thanks, man.